this country is fighting with itself about. What are the lines that divide us? It's pretty obviously not the old partisan divide that the rest of us grew up with, Republican versus Democrat. You figured that out now. You look over at the Democratic side, you see Rashida Tlaib, you're pretty certain she's not on your side, obviously. But then the question is, is Mitch McConnell on your side? And the answer, as you well know, is no, not really. So what divides us? What is the dividing line? And it's really simple. The people in charge are intent on replacing our free democratic system with an authoritarian system, where they don't convince you of anything, they simply make you do things, and they benefit from that. There are people in this country who are opposed to that. They are anti-authoritarian. And if you look at who we book on this show, that may explain why we do it. You may have noticed we have a lot of former lefties on the show. Glenn Greenwald is the most obvious, Alex Berenson as well, and many others. Now, we probably don't agree with these people on a lot of things. Are we on the same side on abortion? We've never asked. But one thing we know for certain is that they are totally opposed to authoritarianism. So that really is the divide. People who are for an authoritarian America and those who are for a free America. It's that simple. And once you start to understand politics through that lens, you figure out what's really going on. By the way, looking at polls is an unusually bad way to understand what's happening in American politics. Polls are often wrong. And when they are wrong, they're almost always wrong in the same direction. The last presidential election made that very clear. The polling outfit Quinnipiac, for example, which was attached to some kind of college in Connecticut, predicted that Joe Biden would win the popular vote by 11 points. It also predicted that Mitch McConnell was in tough shape in Kentucky. Pollsters even convinced a lot of Democratic Party donors that they had a real shot of winning the state of Texas. In retrospect, it's clear all of this was partisan fantasy, and it had a purpose. It was all designed to make a mentally decaying senator from Delaware look like Teddy Roosevelt, riding a massive wave of popular support. Of course, that was a lie. So once you understand that, once you recognize what these polls are actually designed to do, they're designed to put Democratic Party leaders in the best possible light, it is worth noting when the polls move in the opposite direction, when they start to reflect badly on the Democratic Party. That's been happening over the past several weeks. According again to Quinnipiac, a reliably left-wing pollster, Joe Biden's national approval rating is now 38%. 60% of independents disapprove of what Joe Biden is doing as president. A new AP poll noted that just 34% of Americans are pleased with the direction of the country. That's called the right track, wrong track poll. And for the party in power, it is very bad news. This means that the very same people who just last year lied to you, to your face, about how popular Joe Biden was, are now admitting that he is actually the least popular president in modern political history. Why are they telling you this all of a sudden? Why are these reliably Democratic pollsters telling Democratic voters that their president is unpopular. Maybe because they have no choice. Maybe there are other reasons. We're not sure. What is absolutely clear is that according to a new poll from Pew, Democratic Party voters understand what this means. And what it means is, in a free and fair Democratic system, they can't win. If we allocate power based on who's the most popular with the public, and that's the basic premise of democracy, the Democratic Party is in very tough shape. And they know that. And that may be why, according to polls, Democrats now overwhelmingly want the government to make their political opponents shut up. More than three quarters of Democratic Party voters want the tech companies to, quote, 
restrict false information online, even if it limits freedom of information. Think about that for a second. More than 60% of Democratic voters want the federal government to, quote, control that flow of information over the Internet. So all of that contravenes the First Amendment to the Bill of Rights, which is the very core of our system of government and of our culture. It's what makes America great. And now the overwhelming majority of Democratic voters are against it. So that's authoritarianism. There's no other word for it. And it's ironic, considering for four years, prominent Democrats told us we were living through a fascist system. Donald Trump was a fascist. But of course, they were describing their own attitudes. So we're going to spend the next hour looking at the rise of authoritarian impulses on the left and try to figure out where those came from and where they're going. Now, none of this is brand new. You'll recall that Democratic Party politicians have been pushing for censorship for a long time, certainly since Trump won in 2016. They blamed that victory on Facebook. Here's Ed Markey in last October, for example, calling for more censorship. The issue is not that the companies before us today are taking too many posts down. The issue is that they're leaving too many dangerous posts up. In fact, they're amplifying harmful content so that it spreads. Oh, they're not censoring enough because these posts, according to Ed Markey, who will literally say anything you should know, are, quote, dangerous. But Markey never explained what was dangerous about them. But you got the message. They all did. A few weeks after Markey said that, big tech effectively removed the elected president of the United States from the Internet. They silenced him completely. And virtually nobody said anything about it. So it didn't stop. It merely accelerated. Now, Democrats and their allies in the news media have decided to drop all pretense. Jonathan Chait writes for New York Magazine. He's considered smart on the left, one of the weirdest people practicing journalism today. He just published a deeply revealing piece in New York Magazine. Here's the headline from it. And we're quoting. Anybody fighting Joe Biden is helping Trump's next coup. All Republican politics is now functionally authoritarian. <laughs> right. Because Republicans are calling for censorship. So that's how the Democratic Party is responding to the collapsing poll numbers of their president. They're accusing the other side of authoritarianism while practicing it themselves. Right. So you'll recall that Joe Biden voters destroyed statues and destroyed our country's biggest cities for more than a year, and the police did nothing about it. And our media class applauded. And yet, because justice is no longer meted out equally, if someone dares to dishonor the legacy of St. George Floyd, the New York Police Department's Special Hate Crimes Division springs into action. Here's an actual quote, by the way, from this week. On October 3rd, 2021, at approximately 10.15 a.m. in Union Square Park, a person on a skateboard threw gray paint on the face and base of a statue of George Floyd. That's the NYPD bulletin. Information? Contact us! Exclamation point. So that's not really hypocrisy anymore. It's hierarchy. What they're telling you is that crimes against their ideas are the only crimes that matter. Well, that attitude has no popular support in this country, so you can only enforce it by force, using surveillance to root out people who've got the wrong ideas. And that's exactly the basis on which the Biden administration is proceeding. That's why the administration has now given itself the authority to monitor everything that happens, for example, in your private bank account. An effort um, that I know you're a proponent of for the IRS to collect more uh, information um, and, 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 and more tax dollars, but more information about taxpayers' bank accounts, including annual cash flows. And 
I was curious whether you think the IRS has the, the wherewithal to actually do that. Well, of course they do. And a simple way for the IRS to get a sense of where that might be is just a few pieces of information about individuals' bank accounts. Did you see that? The most interesting part of that exchange was not the Treasury Secretary. She's embraced authoritarianism full-blown. It's the creepy little shill from CNBC. And the question is not, does the IRS have the right to snoop into your bank account? With no evidence you've done anything wrong. His question is, do they have the wherewithal? Do they have the manpower? Can they actually pull it off? To which he says, of course, we're the government. We can do anything. So after January 6th, this show reported that Bank of America, quote, proactively rooted through customers' private financial information to find individuals who, quote, met thresholds of interest. They spied on their own customers, and then, like the good East Germans they are, they passed those names to the FBI without telling anybody involved. The Democratic Party approves of this, and they want to make certain this kind of invasion of privacy is permanent. It's codified. And of course, they want to control your children, too, the center of your life. They'll destroy anyone who tries to stand in the way of this. Bradley Keyes, for example, we could give you a million. Here's just one. Keyes was a track and field coach at Pembroke Academy. He was fired because he didn't think it was good for his athletes to have to wear masks as they were playing tennis. Watch. My goal is to get these mandates removed. And it's not just track and field. It's tennis, it's baseball, it's every outdoor sport. Masks right. will be wear Masks will be worn all times, practices and competitions. Tennis, wonderful example. Singles tennis. You go watch practices, everyone's wearing masks. Competitions, they will be wearing masks, even though they're 30 to 60 feet apart on the courts. So we're going to tell you what we've told you a thousand times before. None of this is science. There's not a single study anywhere in the world that suggests kids benefit by wearing masks as they play sports outdoors. In fact, they are hurt by it. That's both common sense and the scientific consensus on the question. But the fact is, it's happening anyway. And that's the point. They don't feel the need to justify their decisions with science. And in fact, they will punish actual scientists who object to these unnecessary medical mandates. Aaron Carity, for example, is a physician at the University of California. He's the director of the medical ethics program at UC Irvine. Not a small job. He's just announced the university has, quote, put me on leave. Why? For challenging their vaccine mandates in court. Oh. So it's not a question of whether vaccine mandates help or hurt or are good for public health. It's about power and anyone who challenges it is crushed. The weak are hurt the most profoundly, as always. Here's a story, we'll be telling you a lot more about it in coming weeks, about a woman in Colorado who is facing death. She's got stage five renal failure. She's just been denied a kidney transplant. Now she has a donor, a willing donor, who has a kidney for her. Everything is ready to go. But according to the health system there, the woman and her donor have not taken the COVID shot. The donor explained that her vaccination status, quote, does not affect any other patient on the transplant list. How can I sit here, the donor asked, and allow them to murder my friend when I've got a perfectly good kidney and I could save her life? That's a great question. No one in the Biden administration has bothered to answer it or even think about it. Instead, they're forcing anyone who raises these questions to be quiet. That's not a democratic system. That's an authoritarian system. Douglas Murray is one of the smartest people we've ever met. He takes a long view on everything. He's a historian and best-selling author, and he joins us tonight to assess the great divide in American life. Douglas Murray, it's great to see you. 
Thanks so much. Great to see you too, Tucker. So it does seem like, and I'm sure you feel this way in your own life, all of a sudden you find yourself with sympathy toward and making common cause with people you've never agreed with on anything over the past 20 years. And you realize the one thing that you have in common is the most important thing, which is you're for a free society and so are they. That does seem like the divide. That's definitely right. I'd add one other thing to that, which is that I think that there have been an increasing number of people on the left in America and around the world who are just seeing that their own political side has gone wrong. They've seen that it's gone off. And this is, to my mind, unended business from the 20th century. Uh, it's, it's been my profession for a long time saying this, that after the 20th century, we know where the right can go wrong. We yes. have left as unexplained, unbothered about business, the question of where the left goes wrong. And the left is, is very clever about this because where is the right? You know, it's very obvious when the right, when certain people on the far right, alt-right, some people in America like to call them, start to talk racial games. That, that we know is where the, where the far right goes way wrong. But what about the far left? Well, when it is expected to go wrong, and not everyone seems to agree they do, a lot of people seem to think that, you know, you keep running left and the worst you get to is veganism. Um, but but if, if you don't take that view, what you find is all the way along to the left, you never get to the gulag. What you get is, is this amazingly clever uh, uh, dictionary they've got so that, for instance, they talk about uh, equity when they mean discrimination. They talk about fairness when they mean unfairness on an amazing scale. They talk about justice and they really mean revenge. But it takes a long time for people to see through this. And by the time people have seen through this, we're way down this track. It's, it's interesting that all of a sudden, a lot of the debates that we've been having, in my case and in yours, since we've both been involved in public debate for a long time, that were really at the center of our professional lives look almost meaningless compared to this. The question of how we're going to, yeah. you know, can you live in a country where you can follow your own conscience and say what you really think? How Absolutely. is it that we didn't see this coming? Well, some people did see it coming. Uh, I mean, as I say, the, the, this unfinished business has meant that the left has been able to push an incredibly long way, very, very easily and very fast and relatively unresisted. You know, I mean, we see it now with, I mean, in historical terms, it seems hilarious to say it, but basically committees on the public safety. Yes. You know, as Robespierre would have called it after the French Revolution. You know, these committees on the public safety that effectively exist now that we see around the world. I mean, America's, America's not as far down the road as some. I mean, we've all seen the footage from Australia where uh, you see that, you know, the police are battening the public down for the public safety. Uh, you know, for the, for the public's well-being, they have to be bashed around the head by the police wearing masks. Uh, somebody said this week, you know, the, 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 the joke that there's a there's a in Australia of a shortage of hospital beds and people hospitalized by the police for their own good. Uh, I mean, we are at an extraordinary stage where everything from public health uh, uh, to education and everything else has been just hijacked by this leftist language. And not enough people have stood up on the left or anywhere else to oh, no. say, no, we see through this. We know what you're saying. And people who don't stand up are complicit in it. Let's just be honest about it. They're cowards and they're allowing this to happen.
Absolutely. Um, Douglas Murray, a great man. I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. No, it's a great pleasure. Thank you, Tucker. So as we said, we're going to spend the entire hour tonight looking at the central question of our time. This surge of authoritarianism from the left, how it got here, where it's going, and who's being hurt by it? The Americans with the wrong ideas who are being crushed under the wheels of this movement, and there are so many of them. The Biden administration, to name the most recent example, is now using the IRS to spy on your bank account and every single financial transaction you engage in. They have a right to see all of it, they claim. That's next. So these stories come in every single day and you read them, they're always written in a very straightforward manner, the AP style. Well, this is what's happening today with the Biden administration. And you think, wait a second, that's never happened before. This is a massive departure. This is a new precedent. This is kind of scary. In this case, very scary. Here's the latest. The Biden administration has now directed the Internal Revenue Service to dig into and scrutinize every bank account in this country with a balance of more than 600 bucks. That's essentially everybody. Not because there's evidence you did anything wrong, but just because they're the government. They can do whatever they want. The Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, who really is responsible for a lot of the economic devastation in this country, says the plan is completely routine, not a big deal. Do you distrust the American people so much that you need to know when they bought a couch or a cow? I am astounded by what you're supporting and proposing. I think it's invasive. I think privacy for individuals is getting ignored. And I think treating the American people like they are subjects of the government is unconscionable. All true. On the other hand, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Pedro Gonzalez is the associate editor at Chronicles, a magazine of American culture. He joins us now. Pedro, thanks so much for coming on. So the pretext for this is that Janet Yellen wants to make sure that rich people aren't getting away with tax fraud, which, by the way, I'm completely for that. But Janet Yellen herself is a shill for the big banks, which have made her personally rich. Millions and millions yeah. of dollars she's taken from the big banks. So this isn't really about making sure that, you know, the hedge funds or J.P. Morgan pay their fair share, is it? No, but basically this is Biden asking you for $80 billion to weaponize the IRS against you, to raise an army of bureaucrats and have them invade your privacy to get more control over your life so that they can access the details of your bank account. This doesn't sound like healing and unity to me. I don't know about you, Tucker, but like you said, I'm not against using the IRS to punish enemies and reward friends. The oligarchs hiding their money in tax havens in Delaware and South Dakota. The people exploiting cheap, illegal immigrant labor like the Kochs. We should go after them and we should crush them. But Biden is setting the IRS loose on middle Americans specifically, which tells right. you whose side he's on. Obama did the well, same thing. He used the IRS to target conservative groups. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. You, you keep going. I'm just I'm just nodding in <laughs> profound agreement. Right. He used the IRS to target conservative groups, and the funny thing is that the IRS actually apologized for that in 2017. But now Biden is turning the guns again on the little guy and allowing the most powerful and corrupt players to slide. And of course he would, they're in his administration. But the IRS is actually just one head on this monster. Attorney General Merrick Garland has recently instructed the FBI to investigate threats, threats of parents protesting the teaching of critical race theory in public school. 
In other words, if you don't want your tax dollars to go toward indoctrinating your children into white guilt, you might get flagged as a terrorist threat by the FBI. The federal government has also secretly ordered Google and other search engines to track and provide data on anyone using certain search terms through so-called keyword warrants. Biden has effectively declared war on privacy in middle America. That's what it is. I mean, the, the people who've benefited from our system for the past 20 years will, will feel no pain here. It's, it's people That's like right. you. Pedro Gonzalez, I appreciate your, the clarity of your thinking. Thank you. Thank you. As you just heard Pedro say, the DOJ is now targeting parents who have any complaints at all about the lunacy their kids are learning in school. White people are bad. Don't complain or else you're ISIS-K. But some parents are not afraid. They're fighting back anyway. One of them will join us as we continue our assessment of the authoritarian. The Biden administration has now unleashed the most powerful law enforcement apparatus in the world, the U.S. Department of Justice against American parents, middle-class parents whose kids go to public school and who voice any opposition whatsoever to the racism now being pushed on their kids. Why are they doing this? Because something called the National School Boards Association has told DOJ that these parents are domestic terrorists. At a recent briefing at the White House, Joe Biden's Chief Flack apparently agreed with that assessment. Watch. So does the administration agree that parents upset about their kids' curriculums could be considered domestic terrorists. Well, let me unravel this a little bit because the National School Board Association is not a part of the U.S. government. I'd point you to them. What the Department of Justice said in a letter from the Attorney General is that, quote, threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. That is true. These were threats against public servants, threats against uh, members of the school board. Uh, regardless of the reasoning, uh, threats and violence against public servants is illegal. That's what he was conveying from the Department of Justice. Threats and violence are illegal. They're rarely prosecuted, if ever, when they're committed by loyal Democratic voters. But that's not the point. The Department of Justice did not give a single example of threats or violence. These are thought crimes that are being prosecuted here. Erica Sansi knows that well. She's a parent and founder of Parents Defending Education, and she joins us tonight. Erica, thanks so much for coming on. So you've basically, because you want some say in what your own children are taught by government schools, you have been likened to a domestic terrorist. Where does this leave you? So it leaves me frustrated, but not surprised. Um, over the summer, the teachers union signaled, actually they didn't signal, they said, explicitly that they were going to invest money in investigating parent groups. So we knew that something like this might be coming. And it's clear that um, school boards and school officials are simply not used to this level of scrutiny. Um, they are, I was on a school committee, so I can say that this is something new. COVID blew you know, the curtain wide open. And now parents are expressing concerns over a variety of things. And it seems that almost regardless of what it is that they are expressing frustration about, they are, they are mocked, they are dismissed, or they are told that it's gonna cost them many thousands of dollars to get the information that they're asking for. So um, we're obviously very concerned, particularly because it takes a lot uh, of courage for parents to go before school boards and express their thoughts and how they're feeling about what's happening in their children's school it doesn't come naturally to most people. And so when we saw this come down from the Department of Justice, we knew that it was an attempt to intimidate parents into silence, even though they are not doing anything wrong. No, 
No, in fact, they're, they're doing what they're required to do as parents, which is look out for the best interests of their own children and as citizens, which is to speak up with elected officials. So when there were concerns about police brutality and the misuse of police powers, reformers pushed for body camps. And their argument was, if you've got nothing to hide, why wouldn't you allow it to be on tape? And that's happened across the country. Why don't we have cameras in classrooms, every single classroom? So that's an interesting question. And the truth is, I still come down on the side against cameras, though I certainly understand the impulse for people um, wanting that to happen. But I do take your point about the hypocrisy. The same people that wanted to defund, defund the police now want to stick the FBI on parents. And the same people that were for the, the same people that were for cameras are now saying that parents don't even have a right to see the curricular materials being used in their children's schools. Yeah. So it really is like a deep question. Whose children are they? <laughs> do they belong to the teachers union or, or to you? You are a brave person to persevere in the face of this. And I appreciate it. Hope you'll come back. Erica, thank you. Thanks for having me. So authoritarianism is not new, of course. It's a feature of human nature. It's arisen in virtually every government throughout human history. We've kept it at bay for hundreds of years. In this country, things are changing fast. The Biden administration is openly authoritarian. But again, they're not the only ones. So are corporations, so is big tech. Alec Berenson has spent the last two years exposing what is actually going on with coronavirus, mass lockdowns and mandates. And for that, he has been completely banned from Twitter, which was his main means of communication. He's now on Substack and tearing it up. Much deserved. Alex Berenson joins us now. Uh, Alex, thanks so much for coming on. Right. So there's so many questions. Those of us who read your Substack faithfully, and I do multiple times a day, have too many questions for you. But I just want to start on something you wrote about just hours ago, and that is on this push to vaccinate 5 to 11-year-old American kids. Bottom line question, is there scientific data as of tonight that shows that that is a good idea and or necessary? Uh, I would say no. There's scientific data that shows that the mRNA vaccine that Pfizer and BioNTech make works as advertised. It causes your body to make a lot of spike proteins. Your body then makes antibodies to those spike proteins. What Pfizer and BioNTech have not demonstrated is that that's any good for children 5 to 11. Um, we know that these vaccines cause side effects. Uh, we know that those side effects can be severe. And we know that in, especially in younger men, there are there's a lot of myocarditis and pericarditis. There's a lot of heart inflammation that can follow these vaccinations. We, we, we have no evidence to 11 year olds outweighs the risks clinically. Here's what we know. There's a lot of scared parents out there who watch you know, too much of your competitors. There's a lot of scared teachers out there who don't wanna get COVID and think kids are gonna give it to them even though almost all the evidence suggests the reverse is true. And so those people are trying to get kids vaccinated basically for their own peace of mind. And I think that's a, that's a terrible thing. Yeah, it is, it is an absolutely terrible thing. And the question, of course, arises, it's never been answered. What threat do unvaccinated people pose to the vaccinated? There's a longer conversation. Really quick, and this is complex, but you were the first person I saw to point out that the President of the United States came out on television a couple of weeks ago and said, I demand private employers with more than 100 people working for them impose vaccine mandates. But there was never an executive order to that effect. Has there been as of tonight? No. No, there, there has not been as of now. Um, and this is really interesting. This goes right to the heart of your questions about authoritarianism. Uh, so, you know, just as the Biden administration essentially compelled Twitter uh, to, you know, to push me off and, and, and is compelling social media companies to crack down on dissent around COVID, 
Um, and, you know, we, you know, we may, I, I hope at some point very soon that I'll have some discovery to show exactly what happened in all of this. Um, they are they are backdooring a vaccine mandate. And so what they're doing is they're trying to get companies that contract with the federal government, which is a lot of companies, to essentially force all their employees to be max vaccinated and force their subcontractors to be vaccinated. And so without even an executive order, just sort of by administrative orders at regulatory agencies, they're trying to do this. And what's amazing, Tucker, is that big companies are not pushing back on this. And on some level, yeah. they like this because they don't want to have to lose employees who would go elsewhere to to companies where they don't have to be vaccinated. So if you're a big company, all you care about is that you don't lose employees who, especially in a tight labor market. And that's what these companies are doing. I, I have to say, I, to think about this level of sort of corporate government autocracy, you, you know, you're thinking right. about modern China, you're thinking about pre-World War II Germany. It is really dangerous when all the levers of power are pointing the same way. And we're not even talking about academia or the rest of the exactly. media. But, you That's know, big exactly companies, right. you traditionally thought of them as conservative. Now they're on board with, the, with, the, with, this, uh, with this authoritarianism. When every institution in American life is, is arrayed against the middle class, I, I think, you know, the country will change fast, and it is. And you've been one of the great chroniclers of that, a brave I, man. Alex Berenson, thank you. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Tucker. By the way, just to be totally clear, this has almost nothing to do with the vaccine itself. You could have gotten the vaccine. Good for you if you want that. You can totally support the vaccine. You can work at Pfizer. It doesn't matter. Forcing people to take medicine they don't want is a turning point from which we will not return. This is the single biggest issue in American life, and it has nothing to do with COVID or the vaccine. It has to do with forcing people to violate their own consciences, violating their bodily autonomy, and basically making the point that the government and big business is in charge of you, every detail of your life. There's nothing bigger than this, the mandates. Of course, the Republican Congress is ignoring it almost completely. So it's not just the United States that the authoritarian wave is breaking over. Take a look at Canada and the man who runs that country, Justin Trudeau. He's obviously a lunatic and a buffoon, but in his public statements, a picture of our future. We'll have that next. By the way, right now on TuckerCarlson.com, you can get the new book. You can cut out Amazon.com, which gets nothing. Like saying that. We'll be right back. 